Last week we started looking at the importance of building a legacy in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We mentioned five key truths found in this text. Number one, be careful. Number two, be accurate. Number three, be intentional. Number four, be cautious. And number five, be prepared. To recap, Moses is giving the nation of Israel some key truths here that they need to make sure that they're aware of as they're about to enter the promised land. He's trying to get the nation to realize they will have a role to play in leaving a legacy as those that went before them did. You see, last week we looked at two of the key truths. The first being the importance of being careful in verses 1 through 3 and the tendency that we all have to be carefree or even careless, if you will, when it comes to the commandments of Scripture. We looked at the fact that we don't take to heart God's word regarding complaining and lying, and we even find it normal for us to do those things. We complain about others complaining and prove ourselves to not be any different from the nation of Israel or even others on this earth. You see, if we want to be different, then being careful should be a priority. And we should heed the warnings laid out in Scripture as we pass these truths down to the next generation. Too many of us offer empty sorries to the Lord that show we really are not particularly careful with observing or even keeping his word. You see, if we're not careful, we will not build a good legacy. That can almost be guaranteed. So as we have looked at this important truth for us to be accurate, we need to know that that's why it gives us the perspective of God that's vital in our understanding of building a legacy. We mentioned the, the importance of getting who God is right because our eternity rides on whether we answer this accurately or not. We mentioned the importance of faith and our assurance of who God and Jesus Christ is and what he has done. If you and I view him simply as a good moral teacher, then what he says and what he has revealed in the word of God, the Bible if you will, will matter very little, and we'll just cherry-pick verses we like and ones we don't. It's important to note that different texts of Scripture are to be applied differently based on what the genre of the Bible is that you're reading, what the context is, who the intended audience is during the time of the writing. For example, we as Christians do not believe that it is our duty to go out of our way to wage literal war against those who don't believe as we do. In fact, Christ calls us to love our enemies. The act of war is associated with the responsibility that God has given government, which scripture also clearly spells out. The context of passages like these that we've applied are not going to be relevant in the same exact way today. For more important information regarding these types of questions, please check out our discipleship tab, which will, which will give you a better insight as to what we're doing as a church right now in the discipleship process which is our desire for each of you, is that you would want to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. We mentioned that in order for us to be accurate, we need to follow a standard. Well, there's one standard. <laughs> that standard is Scripture. Else we are and will be inaccurate ourselves. God is not the one to share his glory with anyone else. 
And in giving us Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Master, we are to do what he says, not what we want. It's because Jesus has rescued us and beyond that died for us that we owe him our very lives. The distance between the way most of the world sees humanity and the way God sees humanity are miles apart. If you were to ask most people, do you think man is good? Most would say yes, without even thinking about it. But scripture gives us a completely different picture. We are born sinners, and in and of ourselves we are not good people. In fact, our value comes from God, because we are created in his image. The only good that we do must be defined by a consistent standard. One that doesn't change based on groupthink. And that standard is God revealed in his word. Jesus did not die for good people. He died for sinful people that hated him. You and I may consider ourselves to be good people. But when our lives are over, we don't get to rewrite God's definition for him. The standard has always been the same. God is good. We are not. That is why we must come by faith. Trusting what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf and proving that you and I have, we obey him as Lord instead of using him as a crush to just get through the hard times and feel better about ourselves. He is Lord of all, and that includes everything that we can consider in our control or even out of our control. He calmed a raging storm by speaking, peace, be still. He can even make this insane situation we're going through right now go away in an instant. The problem will never be God. It will always be us. That is why it's important that we are accurate. So once we're careful and we're accurate, we can then be intentional in building our legacy. We can then be intentional. Be intentional. Point number three. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. It says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Very important text of scripture here. And as we began last week to unpack in light of who God is and how it is that we are to love him, we'll be looking more into how we are now to be intentional in communicating those truths to our children and others that God has placed in our lives and to build that legacy. You see, before we can pass something on to others, we ourselves need to make sure we are accurate. To the degree that we're off, any slight variation um, of our understanding of who God is and why we need to be careful to obey, is the degree we'll be off in passing this on to the next generation. Let me repeat that. To the degree that we are off in our understanding of who God is and why we need to be careful to obey, is the degree we will be off in passing this on to the next generation. To put it in another practical sense so it makes sense to anybody, everybody, if we don't value fellowship with other believers, normally the gathering in church or in a home to discuss God's word, the legacy we're leaving behind is one that says verses like Hebrews 10.25 don't matter. As one translation puts it, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if we don't believe the Bible to mean what it says, it shows up by what we prioritize in our weekly schedule. It's very easy to see that. To say all to Jesus I surrender and live like devotion to him is optional is just straight up lying to ourselves and others. 
Our inaccuracies in understanding who God is shows up in our intentionality of leaving a legacy. You and I can understand theologically what the right answer is. We can quote scripture, but if we don't live it out in practice, our intentionality is wasted as well. It's very, very difficult sometimes to follow through, isn't it? So what are the key phrases here about being intentional? Well, it says here to teach them diligently. It takes work to pass a legacy down. It's no accident. You see, many followers of God want their children by default to come to know the Lord. By default to love the Word. By default to be wise sons and daughters of God. The sad reality is, by default, we love God and not, we love sin and not God. We readily don't admit that we put ourselves before Him. And when we test ourselves according to God's Word, we see that we're not diligent in teaching our children accurate truths many times. We pass the responsibility to pastors, teachers, and others, and social media influencers even, as those that we should have our influence our children. You see, the whole business of being intentional really takes work. And many of us, we just decide to copy and paste someone else's work and hand it to our children as if that's passing down a legacy. Now, hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's not good to have pastors, teachers, and good books. Of course it is. Um, they all serve a God-given purpose in the church and community. Just don't let others be the only ones being intentional and in teaching others diligently. You're to do so yourself. Your children, parents, should see you loving the things of God so much that the things mentioned here are almost a natural outflow of your devotion to Christ. Listen to this reminder from another version of what this would look like for us practically in being intentional. Deuteronomy verses 6, 6 through 9 in, in chapter 6, it says, You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that, I may, that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, leaving a legacy is a way of life that takes real work. Thoughts and devotions to God should come out in every moment of the day, from the time you get up to the time you eat, you go on a trip, you get ready for bed. Each and every day has teachable moments. Are you taking advantage of them to discuss the Word of God? So let me be daring to ask a question that really actually has a simple answer. Why isn't this something we aren't doing currently? I think the answer is more simple than it may seem. We're not taking in the Word of God for ourselves, not studying or memorizing, which is one of the best ways actually to share with others if we memorize God's Word. We have nothing to offer others because we're not doing those things. Some of us, if we do take in God's word, it's rather very rushed. We quickly brush right through it. Or it's inconsistent. Our walk with God many times is as consistent as our going to the gym, when the gym is open, open of course. Don't just quit because you've already failed. There's always grace. It was never deserved. You need to be reminded to get back up and be diligent. Get back in the word. Get into a reading plan. We have one on our website if, in case you need one. Um, and we believe that that's where everybody should start, is get into the Word of God and let the Word of God work in your heart. Let me strongly suggest that you own it if you've not been intentional in doing this in your own walk with God and in passing it on to others. 
You know, and at first it's going to feel awkward, but with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit who works through the Word, you can make these verses an important step in leaving a legacy. Make Scripture so relevant in your home that your children can't doubt that you are intentional. Find a verse that would be great to put up in your home and make it happen. Be literal here. It says to write them on the doorposts of your house. Put it right up there. Hint. Don't just put up what you don't want to do. Do what it says. As with anything you and I start, it goes well in the beginning, but it's important to make sure that we follow to the next truth here in the text. The next truth is to be cautious. Number four, be cautious. Look at verses 10 through 19. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to your fathers to cast out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. You see, what happens to many of us is really something similar that happens to Israel as well. What happens to many a disciple of Jesus is what I would call the relaxed Christian experience. What do I mean by that? You would probably call it more coasting through life. Coasting through life. You see, the hardships in our lives, or even those that are going around and going on in our nation, cause many of us to pause and take proper precautions for the next time the situation may occur. But how many of us would readily admit we know there will there would be a next time, yet we threw all that caution away because you know what? Our situation proved eh, never gonna happen that way again. In building a legacy, once you and I are intentional, we need to realize there's a tendency to sometimes forget God and actually serve other idols, surprisingly, which may come in the form of a blessing instead of him. You see, in, a build, in building a legacy, the very ones you may want to leave that legacy for may become the God that you worship. You may turn from following God's commandments to leading your children to him, to following your children's wants and desires in order to feel more connected to God. Many of us lack discernment in what is a godly legacy because we've given those under our authority a pass in the relationship with God because we don't want to, you know, be accused of judging. We can, though, and should be diligent to speak the truth in love. But it's important that we not lose all caution, become only loving, and lack truth. Else that love is no longer God-focused but man-focused and it will be very inconsistent. One of the difficulties of building a solid godly legacy is that many mistake financial prosperity with godliness. And the two are not necessarily the same. Scripture does tell us that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's what Proverbs tells us. So that's part of the responsibility that we have for sure. But as we see here in the text, in Deuteronomy, 
when it's going well for us, you know, the, the text here is saying, when you have houses full of all good things, wells, vineyards, olive trees, when you're stuffed full, all things Israel was blessed with that they actually didn't even do anything to earn, besides probably complain all the time about it. When things are going well is when we need to beware lest we forget. We need to take caution. These are the very moments that we forget God and all he has promised and commanded us. You see, even if we took the Ten Commandments and consistently reminded ourselves of what the expectations from God are, we would exercise proper caution when tempted to be more consistent. And we wouldn't be so easily swayed by others' opinions of God and even the opinions that they may have of us. As a word of caution, diligently keep, as mentioned here in verse 17, really as a reminder that this is not how it's supposed to be, that we just take it like a game. It's serious business. I want you to pause and think through this. This statement might be a little controversial, but it's something for you to consider. In our church context, the, the opinion or advice, if you will, that we follow matters. In fact, there are many Christian books that can steer us away from following God and give us even a license to sin mentality. Oh, they'll never come right out and say that. In fact, they'll say, God's good with your sinning. It's not a big deal. Just ask for forgiveness. Jesus came to save you from sin. After all, we're all just sinners, right? Well, while many of us see these statements at face value to be correct, the underlying thoughts would kick very hard against Paul's argument in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? See, it's important to realize that it does matter how we live. And we should not blow it off since Jesus just paid it all. If you're thinking, well, the other side of it, I'm going to church or listen to worship music. That makes me somehow a faithful follower of Jesus because I outdid the next guy. That views also a very low view of God and a very high view of self. The point of building a legacy, it's, it's about him. Why would you and I brag about how great we are in sinning or our personal holiness when it's never been about us? You and I need to share less of our experiences of God with others and more of his word. Personal experiences may help connect with others, but... Experiences in of themselves can lead us to a very flawed theology, our view of God. When we base our view of God on personal experiences, which may actually contradict the word of God, we're not being cautious. An emotional response to a worship song without clean hands and a pure heart is not biblical worship that we should be offering God. The very trap Israel was warned it would fall into by forgetting God is the very trap many in America today are already doing. They're enjoying all the blessings from God, but crediting only their hard work and giving God very little, if any, credit at all. You see, your legacy will only count before God if he is what is valuable to you. It's always important to be cautious. And if you're cautious, then the next step logically follows that you will be prepared for the future. Number five, be prepared. Look at verses 20 through 25. Here's what it says. It says, When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he may bring us in. 
to give us the land of which he, he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe, observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. You see, one of the main reasons a faith-driven legacy stands the test of time is because all these truths are lived out. Be careful, be accurate, be intentional, be cautious. It simply follows that a man or woman who wants to leave a legacy behind knows that it's crucial to be prepared. What a painful experience it might be for a person who wants to build a legacy and has done all the right things and being careful, accurate, intentional in passing it on and, and even cautious if they're just simply getting to the end but not prepared or equipped to give the generation behind them the reasons for why they historically follow God the way they do. You see, Moses here, he's clearly aware that the children will ask the why, if you will, of following God. And it's important for the parents to remind them of the past history of bondage and of God's deliverance. The promises made to the patriarchs. And it's because of this rich history, the nation valued God's commands. And as verse 24 here says, clearly, it says that they're good. it's for their good always. One of the big mistakes modern Christianity makes, and it's a very common mistake, is that we stray from the orthodox faith because we're not familiar with church history and the faithfulness of the saints, really, that have gone before us. When you view Christianity through a modern context, you're left with a knowledge gap of persecution and the doctrinal battles the church fought many years ago, and you lose perspective in the rich heritage of faith that was once passed down to the saints before you. You see, one of the big mistakes the church makes is that it forgets its own history. Church history matters, just like Israel's history matters. The very Bible you and I read, men and women have died in order to preserve. The apostles who were followers of Jesus, most of them died for the faith that we cling to. And we cheapen their resolve by dismissing their historical record as something that just doesn't fit the American Christian paradigm. We have it pretty easy here, if you will. Their faith was more genuine than ours because it endured more than we have. I mean, the worst many of us have faced is someone disagreeing with us on Facebook, um, calling us names, um, to, trying to get back to us on a post that we had. Let me encourage you to pick up the Fox's Book of Martyrs and just start there and be encouraged by the saints that have gone before us. Um, go back, learn church history, see the doctrinal battles that the church has faced. It's important to share your past history and how God has saved you, but maybe the spotlight shouldn't be how terrible of a sinner you were and I was in the past, but the amazing God who saves and the legacy of those that have gone before us. In fact, Scripture has many of them spelled out in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, scripture even warns us about not putting the spotlight on ourselves. It says, let no another man praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. It can get kind of tempting to think that we're trying to show how amazing God is, while at the same time, without realizing it, we actually heap praise for ourselves. You know, like we, we, we actually deserve the praise. Um, even in the call to discipleship, Jesus tells us to count the cost, to be prepared, to know what we're in there for. And what we need to give up to follow completely. Ignorance is not bliss in the Christian life. Sadly, much of the Christian church is proud of their lack of attention to the word of God. And it shows up in the generation that follows in their footsteps. 
their one-hour attendance of church equates to following after God. That's American Christianity for you today. Discipleship costing you your time, your resources, your energy is something that's just not part of the preparation in the legacy that's left behind today. It's no wonder that generations following fall apart. They were never prepared for the hard times, sadly. Being prepared means you know what it is you want to pass down, and it isn't just some generic, how can I say this, I hope they love Jesus. The Bible is filled with examples of what faith lived out looks like. For example, even Joseph preparing for the years of famine that were coming. You see, some of us, we've done a good job. We've done a very good job preparing for our children's financial future. But we don't even put even half as much work into the spiritual preparation. You think that's an overstatement? Well, be practical. Think of how often you're more concerned with the finances than if those that were under your authority followed God's commandments. Interesting to know. We quote this all the time and in, in comfort to us, ourselves. In Matthew chapter 10, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Here's something that's interesting. The verses prior and after the context are of Jesus telling us it's more important to fear God than those who may kill the body. And those that really don't have any say in final damnation. Confessing and denying Christ are contrasted, if you will. And if you and I take a look at the whole context, we will see the comforting statement is balanced by a serious look at whether we confess or deny Christ. As one author put it, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians, who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Give those after you the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Don't sugarcoat the realities of following Christ else you won't be prepared for the future and you'll have a disjointed legacy. So I have one question to leave you with. What will you do different from here to the end? What will you do different from here to the end? Is there something that you will commit to do starting today that will continue until your final breath in building a legacy? With man, it's impossible. It really is. We know that we can't do it in our own selves. But with God, all things are possible, including building a legacy that will stand the test of time.